Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How many know the Lord is so good? He's so good. And what I'm going to preach to you about is, there, well, there's a lot that I have to preach to you about, but let's just, let's just reflect here. I like reflecting. I don't like going through history without reflecting on the importance of what has just taken place. And if you realize there's no sports activities in the natural, a lot of our natural activities have been shut down. I mean, that's quite obvious. But you think about Jesus and who he is. And, you know, in, let's just take football. Every year they have to have a Super Bowl. Or if in basketball, every, every year there's an NBA championship. Well, I'm sorry, there's not going to be one this year. Or there's the World Series, but there not, may not be one of those either. And they do that, thank you, every year they have to crown a new champion. But in the case of Jesus, excuse me, Encounter Church, let me just take a, a sip. Everybody take a sip. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, take a sip. Now it's only 11 o'clock in the morning, so, but it's any time you can drink the Holy Spirit, all right? So when I say take a sip, don't take a sip of the old wine. Come on, we know this verse. What I shared with you a couple weeks ago, it's not time. Remember the, the eight F's I gave you from 2 Timothy chapter 1? It's not time for fear. It's not time for food. It's not time for fun, it's not time for fantasy, it's not time for fatality, okay? But Ephesians chapter 5 says, don't be drunk with wine. So you know that getting drunk, I know this many, 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 many years ago. But getting drunk is just trying to escape from your reality. And so you don't maybe not get drunk with wine, you can get drunk with any other thing that wants to cause you to escape from what you have to deal with. Maybe the nasty now and now. But we know Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's why you may not be in a big corporate worship service, but you can be right there alone in your kitchen or your living room or your bedroom, wherever you are, but you have access to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus, and you can be filled with the Holy Spirit by obeying the Word of God and abandoning your heart and worshiping. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about when you just, it's just some of the greatest times of worship, the greatest uh, worship services can just be maybe you by yourself and the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. And you know what I'm talking about. He'll fill you. He'll fill you to overflowing. And you'll have different moods of the Spirit. You may, you may start out kind of, kind of just kind of dull or kind of just at a, at a medium tone. But then there may be a, a wave of His glory, of His presence. And maybe you have a, a spirit of intercession. And maybe you cry or maybe you get happy. Maybe you laugh or sing. Or even some of you guys, I know you dance in front of the mirror at yourself and laugh. Some of you guys may act crazy and may run around the house and dance before the Lord, but hey, that's biblical. David did that. But let me get back to Jesus. And I think about this, that Jesus, because here it is, this is post 
Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And so many times we can go through and we can have a Christmas celebration and then we just go on with the New Year's or we come to the time of resurrection. We have a Resurrection Sunday. Everyone is excited about resurrection. But think about what Jesus' disciples went through. Think about the people that were closest to him. Their greatest moments, yes, were the day of resurrection, but I think it was also the Monday after and the Tuesday after, and the Wednesday after, and the Thursday. I mean, you know, Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1 says that Jesus hung out for 40 days in Jerusalem, and he showed himself alive to his friends and to his family. And it says many of the graves of the, of the patriarchs were opened, and they got to experience Jesus. Now, a lot of times in our world, we just go back to same old, same old. But I have news for you, church. There is no more same old, same old. Same old, same old has ended. I will never be the same. You will never be the same. Our church won't be the same. The kingdom of God. Why? Because God is doing something new inside of us. And so you think about Jesus in this time. Jesus was the great restorer. And in the post-resurrection week, and actually the post-resurrection month, what did Jesus do? He went and restored And he restored some of his disciples. If you read in the scriptures, Jesus actually, when he appeared to his disciples, he had to rebuke them. And this is Jesus being pre-ascended, but post-resurrected. And he had to rebuke them for their hardness of heart and unbelief because they were still doubting. But yet they didn't even believe the report from the women that Jesus was risen. And Jesus had to come and he, he kind of checked them. And that's okay, we can need it, we need, some of us, or all of us, we need God to check us. I'll just use that terminology, or rebuke us a little bit and says, come on. It's not time for us to harden our heart. It's not time for us to allow our hearts to to drift in unbelief. No, but our heart to be full of faith and believing. And so Jesus said that to them. And what does he do? Now, this is all my intro, still encounter church. But one of my favorite passages and taken from the, from the last chapter of Luke, and what did Jesus, he, what did he do? And it says that one thing that Jesus did beside appearing to Peter, you remember now Peter just a couple weeks before denied him. I don't know you. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't know you. He was a coward. He, he failed under pressure. But Jesus in his great love and mercy, which he has For all of us, he's a great restorer. And so one thing I know the Lord is doing doing for me individually and us corporately and all the body, he's coming to his people again to restore anything that has been lost, anything that has been taken away, anything that has just been lost vicariously, maybe deliberately or, or just because you've gotten dull. Maybe you've gotten dull in the spirit. Maybe you, but God is bringing us back to our first love. He's bringing us back to what is important in life. He's bringing us back to, remember Paul said this. Paul says that I might apprehend that for which I've been apprehended. And so the Lord is restoring, why did God save me? Why did God save you? He's causing us to come back to our first love and to revisit, to revisit the vision and the purpose. Why? Why? And through the power and how the Lord saved you. And he's causing us those dreams to be rebirthed again in our heart. 
And so God is a restorer. He restored Peter. And not only restored him, but he set a fire inside of Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit, but also he did something. And it's only found in the book of Luke. It says that Jesus opened up their understanding of the scriptures. And so I don't know about you, but I love the word of God. And hopefully all of you are being deliberate about feeding and eating this word. Because you have a choice. God's not going to force feed you. He's not going to make you open up this book. He's not going to make you meditate in it. He's not going to make you read it. It has to be your choice. You have to want it. You have to say, Lord, I want to grow in my knowledge of you. I want to follow after you afresh. I want to hunger and thirst, the Lord. If I don't have that hunger, put it within me, Lord. Because if you don't have it, then you're sick. Because you know that hunger is a sign of health? A sign of sickness is when you lose your appetite. And so if you're home and you've been feeding yourself on the television or the news or social media and you don't have a desire to get before the Lord, to awaken up and spend time before his face and in his word and say, Lord, help me understand it. I heard people say, well, I just don't understand. Do you know that Peter was a fisherman? Peter was not a theologian. I don't think he studied and hung out with the Pharisees. He hung out with the fish. And so for Peter to have revelation, and you heard me preach about this a couple weeks ago, that Peter received divine revelation of the Father in Matthew 16 when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. But Jesus says, no, no, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the one that responded. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Peter received revelation. And so Peter... Being Peter, being a natural man, being a fisherman, not a theologian, if he could get divine revelation, how much more can Pastor Steve or even you get revelation from the Father? And Jesus wants you to have revelation. And so now he doesn't just get revelation, but you think about what did Peter receive? Jesus did something. He opened up the scriptures and he showed, this is now post-resurrection, pre-ascension, but he opened up the scriptures and it said he showed them from the scriptures from the time of Moses, from the time of the prophets, throughout the Psalms, how the Messiah must suffer and die. And he showed them how he fulfilled the scriptures. And so Jesus is the word made flesh. Come on. So when you read your Bible, you're not reading a, a history book. You're not reading a book. You're reading about Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh, and he wants his word to be alive inside of us. And so Jesus is a restorer. He restored. He restored Peter. He's restoring us. He's restoring you. He's restoring your passion. He's restoring your love. He's restoring your vision. He's restoring your purpose. He wants to bring you back again to your first love. And we're going to continue in our, you heard me say this a couple weeks ago, about preaching about encountering vision. You think about, now that was all intro encounter church, 
So get some coffee, make a latte, whatever. Bring me one. I'm going to take another drink. But I have a lot to share with you today. And so I'm going to keep screaming at you so you don't fall back to sleep. You shouldn't. It's 1130, 12 o'clock. But in early March, here we are, six weeks later. But back in early March, we launched the series called Encountering Vision. Encountering Your Vision. And we preached on that a couple times. Pastor Mike did a wonderful job preaching. And then we kind of went down into the lockdown mode. And I'll give you a little bit of history or a little bit of recap. I preached at the... uh, end of March, middle of March, I think it was the 22nd, and we preached from 2 Peter chapter 1 about God restoring our faith, God letting us spend time with our family, and God putting a new fight within us. And then at the end of March, on the 29th, we, I preached again, and I preached from Psalm chapter 20. Do you remember I gave you eight things that the Lord is doing for us? There are eight distinctives that he does in the first five chapters of Psalm 20. And one of the verses in Psalm 20, it says, Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we shall remember the name of the Lord our God. So hopefully in this time that you're remembering, that you're recounting all of his goodness over your life. Hopefully you're spending this time looking back over your life and say, because we are living in times where times are moving forward, and there is certainty with God, but there's a level of uncertainty in the world. And moving forward, we don't know exactly all the things that are going to take place, but we know one thing is that God remains the same, and we can hold on to his hand. And so we preached on the 29th from, about faith, on the, I'm sorry, the 22nd of March on faith, the 29th of March on remembering the May scriptures of Psalm 20. Pastor Portia preached April 5th about trusting God. What does it mean to trust God? And then last Sunday, April the 12th, which was resurrection, I preached a little bit to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we had our testimony and we had the the play and here we are again. And so these past six weeks have gone by, but they have counted for something. We're not wasting time. The Lord doesn't waste anything. It has not been in vain what we're going through. And we're still, we're continuing to pray for all of those that have been affected by the corona, all of the essential workers, especially those in the health field, in the hospitals, the nurses, the doctors, those that have lost loved ones. And we continue to extend mercy and grace and compassion and comfort of the Holy Spirit to all of those that are affected by this. But as I look back, I said, Lord, this has been a great time for us to look. You need vision or you need light when you go through a dark season. Anybody can go through a room with a flashlight with the lights on. It's when you don't have the light and things have tightened up around you or there's been darkness around you that your vision or the light of revelation comes into play. And so we launched this series on encountering vision in March. And we're going to continue it through May and then 
as we get into May, we'll see where the Lord takes us. But today and next Sunday, we will continue to preach about vision, having a vision, having purpose, living from a place of vision. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to repeat all of the points from my last message, but I will recap one thing that I said was that vision, we know this from Proverbs 29, it says that without a vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18, it says where there is no vision, the people perish. But let's flip that on the other side. Where there is vision, the people thrive. And we're people of vision. Another translation says where Where the people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Well, you can't run wild right now. You're on lockdown. So guess what? Hopefully, we're accepting some divine guidance. That's just another translation. But where you do accept divine guidance, what? There is peace and there is control. Another translation says where there is no revelation, The people cast off restraint. But let's take it to the other side of the coin. Where there is revelation, the people restrain themselves. Or they live under, or they stay under God's hand. They stay under, they stay under the sovereign hand of God. Aren't you thankful that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run in and they find safety and shelter? So vision is having mental sight. At many verses of Scripture we've been reading and going through, one of them comes to my mind. Psalm 121 says, What I will lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What is that doing? We're lifting up our eyes. We're lifting up our gaze. We're lifting our vision so that we know that our source is not natural man, it's not humanity, it's not the systems of this world. Our help is heaven. Our trust is in heaven. Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, pray to your Father, which is in heaven. All throughout Scripture, and you'll see this, Jesus magnified the Father. And he says that you have a Father, and when you pray, pray to your Father who is in heaven. And I gave this quote that one of our spiritual fathers, Moses Vey, used to say, he says, I must say what I hear so I can see what I say. So what are you hearing in Counter Church? What is the Lord speaking into your ear? Are you writing it down? Are you tuning your ear? I shared a verse last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and the Apostle Paul was quoting Psalm, I I think it's Psalm 112 or 116, and he says, I believed, therefore I spoke. So I want to challenge you, Encounter Church, just like I challenge myself, that my faith is producing, my belief in the Lord is producing something inside of me that wants to say something. Now, I don't have to shout it to everybody else. Sometimes I could say it to me. Come on, you know you talk to yourself. Every one of you talk to yourself in here. Every one of you watching online, you talk to yourself. Now, if you start talking back to yourself after you talk to yourself, then we may think you're a little crazy. But, come on, so you have this spirit of faith. 
and I believe, therefore I spoke. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes some of you guys, you may not have anybody to preach to. Preach to your cat. Preach to the fish. Preach to, preach to somebody. Look at your, but preach. Come on, I'm Pastor Steve. Right now I am commissioning you all that you are all preachers of the gospel. Because you've been given a ministry of reconciliation and you get to preach. And if you have to, use words. But come on, you can preach through your smile. You can preach through your attitude. You can preach through your actions. But allow, allow the faith of the Lord God to arise in your heart. So vision is, is mental sight to have a dream, to a revelation or a vision, to look at something. And I quoted this verse from Ephesians chapter 1, and this was a prayer that Paul had for the church at Ephesus. And he prayed this in 1, chapter 1, 18 of the book of Ephesians. And he says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Is the Lord touching your eyes? Are you seeing greater revelation? Are you seeing deeper into the scriptures? Are you seeing deeper into the things of God? Or are you just staying where you are? You can't stay where you are. Look at yourself in the mirror. Say, take your finger out. Say, look at yourself. Look in the mirror. Say, I can't stay here. I can't stay where I am. And if you don't realize, you're either growing or digressing. There's no middle ground. You're in a vacuum. And so either you're going to make a choice to progress or digress. Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So we see that there is digression there. He's standing, he's sitting. Then he's not even moving. But his delight is in the law and the Lord, and in his law he does meditate in it day and night. He shall be like a tree, what? Planted by the rivers of living water. Hopefully this, the word is encouraging you because as you meditate on the word and eat the word and preach the word, preach it to yourself. Preach it because the word produces life inside of you. And so here we go. I didn't get to this, but I want to take to you about your personal vision. I'm going to use the life of Moses and the life of Jesus, and then I'll come to a close. But we're going to look at these two individuals and how they had purpose and they had vision for their life. For the sake of time, I won't go through all my notes, but turn with me in your Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 3. So if I had to title this message, I told some folks earlier this morning that the title of my message is Take Your Shoes Off. It's interesting that the Lord has brought us back to this passage because this is the passage that we started 2020 with back in January of this year. So three months ago when we were in our time of Daniel fast before Corona, we looked at this passage, but I want to bring out some other aspects of the passage. But this was Moses' call to his destiny. And just like you and I are being called back to our destiny, God will do something just like he did in Moses' life. We can appropriate the scriptures 
and if you want it, he'll do it for your life. But in this passage, Exodus chapter 3, let's pick it up in verse chapter 2. Or let's start in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. You can meditate on that verse for a moment. I would ask you today, put your name in this passage. This is the Lord speaking to you. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why does the bush not, does not burn? So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Or I would say, Stephen, Stephen. Or you would say, your name, your name. And in this passage, you see Moses had a choice. He saw something, but he made the choice to turn aside. And when he made the choice to turn aside to go get closer to the very thing that God was drawing his attention with, the Lord then responded back. Do you know that's what the Lord is waiting on us? Sometimes we think the Lord is waiting, we're waiting on the Lord, but the Lord is waiting on us. The Lord is waiting on us to say, are you going to respond? And if you respond, I'll respond. But Moses, he could have kept on going and he could have been just consumed with the stinky sheep. But he says, no, 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 I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to investigate. And so the Lord spoke to him. And he says, here I am. Then he says, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And we started this year out in Counter Church with this passage, and I said, what is the Lord calling us to do in January? He's, telling, he's calling us to take off our sandals, take off our shoes, and we have to walk before him in a new way. We can't do 2020 same old, same old. And whether you like it or not, you're not doing 2020 same old, same old. The Lord will have his way one way or another. And it's a time for us to what? To take off our shoes and examine our walk before him and realize that God is holy and God is serious about his church. He's serious about you. He's serious about the blood of his son. He's serious about humanity and he wants his people, to know him and know him in a way of greater intimacy, a greater love. 
of greater power, greater communion, because the Lord, his heart longs to pour out, just like we have experienced such blessing. Come on, I, we're blessed. We're a blessed people. He wants all of humanity, people that don't know the Jesus that we know, to know him. The Jesus that is the great I am, the Jesus that is up in heaven. Remember I said there was always, a half, there has to be a Super Bowl every, every year. Well, guess what? Jesus, when he fulfilled what we celebrated last week, it was once and for all. Jesus was like, there doesn't need, it's, it's game over. There is no more Super Bowl. There is no more World Series. There's no more championship. I am the greatest champion. Now, back in the day, you guys remember Muhammad Ali, he would say he was the greatest. Well, in boxing, maybe. But Jesus is the greatest. Jesus, our king, our champion. And when you read the scriptures and they come alive to you, recognize that Jesus is in heaven and all heaven worships him. All heaven revolves around him. Because Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so I share this with you, and I'll share it again. Take off our shoes and walk in a new sensitivity and a new holiness. And then also it says that Moses did this. He hid his face, and he was afraid. And so as we've been going through this time, you say, Pastor, see what the Lord has been speaking to you. It's a time for us to walk softly before the Lord, to hide our face in his presence, not seek his hand, but seek his face, and to allow a new reverence, a new fear of the things of God so that we won't just take the things that are holy and precious. We wouldn't take them. Now let's look at what the Lord shows Moses. This is now Moses' vision. This becomes Moses' Moses's, his vision and his mission for his life. And it's right here in these verses. And this is what the Lord will do as we walk before God in a new sensitivity, as we hide our face in his word, as we gain a new awe and humility before the Lord, the Lord will reveal the purpose and the plan that he has for us individually, corporately, right? He'll speak it right to you. And so look what the Lord speaks to Moses. There's five things that he says. There's probably more, but let's just look at it. I'm not a theologian, but I'm just reading the Bible to you this morning, okay? And the Lord says in verse 7, he says, I have seen the oppression. Do you know that God sees you? God sees you right where you are. He knows. He sees you. That's the, one, that's the first point that I have that God sees. And he doesn't just see you. He really sees you. I mean, he sees every part of you. He just doesn't see the hour. No, he sees into the depths of our heart. It says, he's, I've seen the oppression of my people, and I've heard their cry. God just doesn't see you, but he hears you. He sees. He hears. And he doesn't just see and hear. He knows. Come on. God is not way, 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 way far away. No, he sees. He hears. He knows. This is all verse 7. And then look what he does. He doesn't just sit there. In verse 8, he says, you know what? I see, I hear, I know, and I'm going to take action. And it says here in verse 8, he says, so God decides, I'm going to come down to deliver. 
you. And what is God doing? God is wanting us to be delivered. He wants to deliver us from anything that has held us back. Let me pause. Hebrews chapter 12. Seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I messed up on part of the verse, but it says what? What laying aside every sin and every weight that so easily trips us up. Back in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. Laying aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. And so we see that Jesus is our deliverance. So what does he say? He says, Moses, I'm going to deliver my people, and I'm going to deliver them through you. So he says, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the world. What's God doing? He's delivering us, his people, out of the world systems. And he doesn't just come down to deliver, but he comes down to bring them up from their lowly land, so wherever you are right now, God doesn't want you to live there. You may be in your physical house dwelling. That's not where you live. Ask yourself, where am I living? Where am I hanging out? Come on. In the natural, you may, you may have a mansion. You may have a five-bedroom house. I don't know how big your house is. You may be in a two-bedroom apartment. It doesn't matter, but where you live is where he is with you and dwells inside of you. And so Jesus, the Lord Almighty, he says, I've come down to deliver them. And I come to bring them up to a land, a good land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, verse nine. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them with. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. Or I would say, I am sending Stephen. Or you would say, God is sending, put your name there. Because what's the Lord doing? The Lord is not going to use one man like he did Moses. No, he's given us the whole. He's going to use a company of people. He's going to use a body of people. He's going to use you and your whoever's in your family and me and our church family and the body of Christ throughout to arise and be a deliverer for humanity. Now you have to realize that when the Lord spoke to this to Moses, this is a fulfillment from what the Lord spoke to Abraham. So this passage that I'm reading, this passage right here in Exodus chapter 3, when the Lord appears to Moses and says, Moses, this is why you were born. This is why I created you. Yes, the first 80 years of your life were training. Now, 80 years later, it's time for you to step in to your calling. It's the same way in our life. 
You can't say, oh, I'm too old. Time has passed me by. No. The Lord has allowed there to be a shaking in all of our lives to bring us back to the very thing that he wants us to re reacquaint ourselves with and get a hold of. And that's his, his will and his purpose for us. And I'm going to get there. Just hang with me. But you've got to realize that, Moses, that the Lord prophesied this passage 400 years before when he talked to Abraham. So if you turn with me in your Bible, I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time, but in Genesis chapter 15, the Lord appears to, Mo, to Abraham and he's cutting covenant with Abraham and he's blessing Abraham and he's telling Abraham, and he says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. And then the Lord, in this passage of blessing, he puts Abraham to sleep and he prophesies, this is the Lord, and he says, your children, your children are going to be slaves in a foreign land. And they're going to be there 400 years. But don't worry, I'm going to bring them out of that place of oppression and bondage 400 years later. But they will be a strong, mighty people that's full of wealth. That was the prophecy that God gave Abraham about Moses and about the children of Israel. So now you got to realize, I told you I like history. I like looking back. And so even when we read the Bible, we have to look back at what's taking place in this passage. This is actually the fulfillment of 400 years before when the Lord God himself appeared to Abraham and prophesied his future. And now it's time for Moses to arise and fulfill the prophecy about his life. Just like you and I in this day and age, it's time for us to arise, dust off those prophetic words, dust off some of those old prophecies and say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I'm going to come back. I know you see. I know you hear. I know you understand. I know you're alive. I know you come down to deliver. I know you lift up. But Lord, I say yes. How many of you guys, the Lord is putting a yes in your heart today. So Moses, this was Moses' vision. This was his purpose, to follow what the Lord God showed him. Now, for the sake of time, let's turn and look at the life of Jesus, and then we'll come to a close here. Think about Jesus. Jesus, the great high priest. Jesus, the one who we know from Scripture says that he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He's like, what is Jesus doing up in heaven? Praying? Interceding? Jesus' vision. You may differ and find another Scripture, but I found this, that this was Jesus' vision found in John 17. Verse 1, Jesus spoke these words as he lifted up his eyes to heaven. That's a good place to look. Keep your eyes up. Tell yourself, keep looking up. And he said to the Father, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. 
And this is eternal life, that they may know you. So what was Jesus' vision? To bring glory to the Father and that people would come to know eternal life, which was knowing the Father through him. Jesus said this. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And so Jesus' mission was really simple, was to bring glory and honor to his Father and to bring that knowledge of his Father to other people, that they would know him. That was the vision of Jesus. So what was Jesus' mission? I'm so glad you asked. Let's look in Luke 19. And we know this. This is the story. This is a great passage that everyone preaches from on Palm Sunday. Luke 19, before Jesus rode into Jerusalem, it says as he was coming in, it says that there was a short man who was a tax collector, and everybody hated him, Zacchaeus. But what did he do? Zacchaeus ran ahead, and he got up in a tree so he could see Jesus. And we know the story as Jesus came by, and he looked up into the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I'm coming over your house to have dinner with you. And all of the religious folks, they were, like, they were mad at Jesus, even in some of his of his own friends were mad, and they were like, this man's a sinner. Why is Jesus going to hang out with this man who's a tax collector of all people? And what did Jesus say? He says, no, this, this man is also a son of Abraham. And he said this in verse 10 of Luke 19. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That was Jesus's mission statement i would say that could be my mission statement or should be that's a good mission statement come on you want to seek and to save those that are lost what is god doing jesus says follow me and i will make you fishers of men there's coming upon the church of jesus in the united states he's taking us back to what is important is to win people to the lord you say pastor steve what's god going to do in Encounter Church, he's reigniting our passion to go out and evangelize. Each one of you, hopefully you're having in this time that we're living, that eternity is really close to a lot of people. When people go through death, when they go through suffering, us personally, we've, we've known three families that have lost loved ones in this past week. We actually did a memorial on Monday. None of them were corona-related. They were for other reasons. But still, when you go to a funeral, a lot of times people are encountering eternity because their loved one now has gone from this world into the next. And how much more we as the body of Christ, as the church, should have a new passion and desire to share the reality of eternity with our neighbors, with our friends, with our loved ones. And so Jesus had a mission to seek and to save that which is lost. And then the second part of his mission statement is taken from 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. And it says this, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
And we know this from Jesus' life. So Jesus' mission statement was to seek and to save that which is lost and to destroy the works of the devil. We could adopt that same thing. Come on, God is putting a new spirit of evangelism upon us and also a new power and anointing so that wherever you go, that even as Jesus gave his disciples before he ascended, he says to go and preach the gospel. All authority has been given me, and I give it to you. And so we get to walk. We have the opportunity to walk not in pride, not in presumption, but to walk in humility and grace, but knowing that greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. And so the Lord is causing us to come back to our vision, come back to our purpose. And so we see this in the life of Moses. We see this in the life of Jesus. And so also here at Encounter Church, our vision statement is taken from the book of Philippians, but it's to unite people to Christ and people to people. Pastor Portia touched on this back a couple weeks ago, but our vision is what? We exist. Our vision is to unite people to Christ and people to people. And then our mission statement is taken from Matthew chapter 5, and I'll read it, and I'll give you my paraphrased statement of it, and it's found from the message. I'm not going to read it from the message right now, but let's read it from the New King James, Matthew chapter 5, 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, a lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You have your Bible, your electronic Bible. Read that from the message translation. But it says that we are the salt seasoning to bring out the God flavors. And we are the light that brings out the God colors of this world. And so Encounter Church, as we come to a close today... We look forward to connecting with you guys on our prayer call, on Facebook, through our website. If you have any special prayer requests, any special needs, uh, please call in, text us, email us, if we can serve you in any way. But once again, we want to thank you for all of your prayers and your love. We're continuing to pray for you. And please join us Tuesday for prayer, Wednesday for prayer, also for various classes, but I bless you today, and I look forward to seeing some of you guys that I haven't seen in a while, personally, but you can connect one way or another with, with me, and uh, I'm just going to pray for you now, but allow the Lord just to fill you with his word as we continue through this time of walking softly before the Lord. What? Taking off our sandals, hiding our face 
in his word, having a new awe and a reverence for his presence. Lord, we thank you for this time that you have set for us to come back and revisit our calling individually, Lord, that you saved us. Lord, you just didn't save us, Lord, but you brought us from our mother's womb. Lord, your word says, if you need some more scriptures to read, read Psalm 139. But it says that, Lord, you knew me when I was in my mother's womb, when I wasn't even formed, before my days were even fashioned. You had them all planned out and written. And, I'd, and it also says that I was cast upon you from birth. So I don't, me personally, I had to spend some time, or my sisters told me, in an incubator for the first two weeks of my life. So I believe for the first two weeks, my mother had to go home from the hospital, and I stayed in an incubator because I had some issues with my breathing. And so when I read a verse of Scripture like that, now, how many of you know that I can't remember back till when I was one week old, two weeks old, but my spirit knows that the God who I serve knew me and he formed me and he created me just like the Lord spoke to Jeremiah he says while you were formed in your mother's womb I've ordained you and set you I've chosen you I've called you and set you apart and so when we reflect on scriptures like that we see that God has carried us through our life not just through this season, not just through the past six weeks, but he's carried us a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. For me, it's been 54 years, or not 54 yet, 53. And so when you read verses that God knows you and he knows everything about you and you can't get away from him, you can't escape this great God of love and then there's other verses that says that I was cast upon you and you made me hope. And so, Lord, today I pray for Encounter Church family as they're watching this online that the hope of God, the hope of Jesus Christ, the, the love of the Father, the power of the Son, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would overshadow your people today. Father, we thank you. We bless you today. Have a great day, Encounter Church. Please forgive me for my voice going out, but we love you and appreciate you. God bless you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.